Blog Talk Radio. Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth. Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Mike Ruhlman of M2R. Uh, Mike has agreed to step in at the last minute because our scheduled guest, uh, Richard Puzo, was terribly worried about the weather today and thunderstorms requiring his presence at his uh, weather forecasting station. Uh, So thanks for sitting in today, Mike. Well, thanks for inviting me, Mike. Yep, I'm sure this is going to work out real well. Before we, uh, yeah, it's only a hundred degrees outside. You know. Only a hundred. Yeah, it's not. It, it, it's it's nothing heavy. So before we uh, go forward, let's 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 review what's going to happen next week. It's a holiday week, Fourth of July. Uh, on Thursday, the fifth of July, Jim Semino is going to be in, and he's going to be talking about a new process of strategic long-term planning. How small and medium-sized companies really need to have a strategic planning process. Our uh, our guest next week is Rich Flynn. He's a CPA. He's going to be talking about how to appropriately uh, account for your business and possibly some of the ramifications of the recent Supreme Court decision. Following week, we're going to have Major Wade Barrett, and she is a business etiquette person. And on the 13th, we're going to have John Carroll, who runs one of the area's uh, best recruiting firms and the following week we're going to have Ruth Elbush who is a EMDR eye movement desensitization and reprocessing therapist who helps us make salespeople and sales managers perform at their best getting out from under the old psychological baggage that we have Cliff Blaylock is going to be on July 20th show and he's going to be talking about how to convert accounting systems. And uh, on the 26th of July, we're going to have Jody Schmidt-Gosseling, the president of Possible Worldwide, talking about creative uh, advertising and promotion, which is what her company is is all about. Let's see. One more we have, two more. We'll, we'll talk about Ken Saunders from uh, Search Engine Experts. He, his company specializes in uh, search engine optimization for generic search, and then we're going to have on August 2nd a really special guest, a fellow named Rick Slifer. Rick and I go back probably 30 years when we both were employees at cable and wa- a company in America that became cable and wireless. Rick now has his own consulting practice in Annapolis, Maryland, and he specializes in selling to the federal government. And he's going to talk about and reveal some of the secrets 
that you have to know if you want to sell to the federal government. So that's about the lineup of the shows. Next week here at Santa, we're going to have a networking class on Monday morning, 8 to 10. And we have our regular uh, Friday classes on Friday. The uh, 6th, we're going to have a pro- creating a prospecting plan. Then we're doing a telemarketing uh, workshop where we listen to the recordings of our real salespeople. And on the 12 o'clock class, we're going to talk about the Sandler Foundation's elements of an upfront contract. If you want more information about our calendar, just give our office a call. If, as you're listening, you have a question for Mike Ruhlman, who's going to talk about IT uh, and, and Internet security, the call-in guest number is 646-595-4916. Uh, Mike, why don't you tell the folks a little bit about your background? How did you get to start M2R? Technology. I started M2R back in 1994 um, under a different company name and it evolved um, the changing of the name um, several years later. We are network engineers. We are not necessarily break-fix engineers. And so I got started when the downsizing of the co- different companies in, oh, what was it, the 80s? Mm-hmm. It's been a while. The downsizing companies in the 80s and 90s, um, we got to start. I got distru- uh, distracted about or disappointed in how people were being laid off, but they didn't know what we did, as in the accounting groups were laying off the IT groups because they did not just did not understand what they did and the value they were to the companies. So I started my own company to have more of a basic and be able to make my own calls and not be the laid off by some you know somebody else. I had been laid off in my career, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't fun. I had another job in five weeks. But that was one of those pieces of the puzzle that brought me to entrepreneurship and learning, you know, learning how to run a business, not just doing IT, but there's other aspects to business, not just IT. So you started your own IT business in 1994. When did you first get into IT? I have a computer programming degree from the University of Cincinnati. And so I spent four and a half years at a company in a cave programming, which was entertaining, but I could not stay in that room for that much longer. I had to get out. Mm -hmm. My personality is I have to get out and talk to people, meet people, communicate with people. There are certain stereotypes of IT people, and I know that everyone in my company is not along those stereotypes. We can communicate in English. That's it. Geek. That's a that's a big advantage. You speak English at your company as opposed to geek, um, and that, that that probably turns a lot of people off. No, it really doesn't, because when you're trying to build a relationship, either through the sales process or from norm doing business with those companies every day, you are building the relationship. You have to be able to speak at any time. Sure. So, uh, as, as a regular part of your marketing program, do you do uh, outside talks? To groups? I have been attempting to set those up, but I have not been able to because the projects we've been working on, exchange servers, firewalls, Active Directory, sometimes I'm up until 3 o'clock in the morning researching something that I haven't figured out yet. Mm. It's one of those uh, fields where there's always more knowledge, it seems. Right. I mean, I can pick on accountants for, for the moment, and debits and credits haven't changed in you know 2,000 years. But as we've been speaking... 
a new virus and two new spyware or malware programs have been released. So you have to be up current on the current IT trends and the security trends to keep your client and your own network safe. So how many hours a week do you work? Oh, probably about 45 to 50. It really depends upon the current workload and if I'm, you know, if I'm hanging out with my children and doing family things, which are also important to life. Sure. Uh, how many employees do you have in your company right now? Oh, we're at three people right now. Okay. But we do work for, like, the Cincinnati Zoo, um, the IT director, Dave Schneider. Uh, he cans his projects when he can't get to them. Um, and there's some other you know, premier clients, the larger clients, which we can work which we work with, they have we have the skills in house for these higher level companies to do the security, to put in the three hundred user exchange servers. And that's the type of projects we're looking for. So you work on the higher end of uh Microsoft products? That and others. Oh um, and others. Yeah. Uh we don't do actually Linux. However, mm-hmm. uh Linux is not ready really for the prime time. And I'm sure I'll have a lot of arguments with people if, if IT people start calling in. But there's really four different segments to um, a whole IT company and how you, IT companies service other companies. The first step is this, the reactionary, the lowest level break fix. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I can't get to the Internet, but it's only one person. Well, you have something wrong on your machine. Um, so you go and you have reactionary break fix. The person can't print. You go fix and redo the printer driver or something. Yes. The next level up is um, a network administration. Whereas you're babysitting a network that's there, you're checking the servers for error logs, you're updating the virus definitions on the server so that those get propagated out to the different workstations, et cetera. You know, you look at the network as a whole. You maybe never have installed a network, but you can babysit what's there to keep it running. Okay. Then the next level up is the actual engineering level, as in you design where the fiber goes. You design how many servers are going to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. Say you have a point-of-sale system with fiber out to every um, cash register. And I've actually been in the server room at Kings Island. They're not a client of ours, but I've been in the server room, and it is amazing. Anyway, so they have fiber out to have all their cash registers out in the, out, out on the park. Hmm. And you have to know where to put all this stuff so you manage the bandwidth, because one person could try to download an MP3 file or listen to radio at work, and their firewall may not be prioritizing the traffic to allow all the business traffic through correctly. Then the highest level um, of being able to support a company or an IT firm should have is the highest level is true consulting. We're talking to management teams, interviewing and helping them hire their IT directors. That's one of the things we do as well because, unfortunately, in the IT world, a lot of people will, excuse me, will not tell in the entire truth when they are looking for a job. No kidding. <laughs> they they maybe lie on their resume. Uh, there's a lot of M- paper MCSEs, which is a Microsoft Certified Systems Engineer, mm-hmm. but they have no str- say street knowledge. Like okay. you can be book smart, not street smart, or street smart. Street smart, not book smart. Oh, so they were smart enough to pass the exam, but they really can't understand what's happening in the real world. In the IT world. In the real <laughs> IT world. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. 
So we can go through and ask the right questions to make sure that the person knows how to do things. Okay. Um, versus them just, I'll say, snowing the management team into hiring them. Because then six months later, they'll have messed up the network, gone off to the next company that they've continued to look for a job, and then that company's still stuck in the same place where they have to go hire another person. I understand. That's not unusual. It's very common in our industry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's take a a short break here. And again, if you wanted to call in and ask uh, Mike or me a question, uh, our number is 646-595-4916. Let's listen to uh, David Sandler talk about what happened in the beginnings. My other goal, but this started back in 67, but I just reinforced it in 1984. I wanted to be with, with a group of people like you. Entrepreneurs, accidents, wanted to make money, wanted to make a contribution, wanted to help other people. You know, they said that couldn't be done. You're living proof that that could be done sitting right in this room. You give yourselves a big hand. I wanted to be in a, in a, with an organization that really made a contribution to people. We were cleaning out our closets the other day, and we, I took down the Tony Robbins $179.50 course that we've never taken the cellophane off of. And Tony Robbins has a $10 million a month budget and a helicopter. But I don't think that helps a lot of people. And so what I found out when I was selling these boxes for that Texas group was that I wanted to service people. I wanted people to get, take, to get advantage of what they were buying. And so I said to them, after I started to figure this thing out after two or three years, I said, you know, let me give you the box of tapes free. And what I'm really going to sell you is why don't you come and visit me at the Holiday Inn. It happened to be this one. Why don't you come and visit me at the Holiday Inn every other Thursday night for the next year and let me make sure you're using what I sold you. And they did. And we used to have 250 people up the road here at the Marriott. This place place couldn't handle it. We used to have 250 people every other Thursday night show up for training. And they brought 25 to 30 of their friends. And 90% of those people joined the President's Club. So you're living proof that this business can, can be multiplied. No question about that. Well, that was David Sandler back in 1984. What we're going to do next is ask you a question, Mike. How do you go to market? To, uh, to market your professional IT engineering services? Well, 90% of the clients we have has been from word of mouth. Um, we think word of mouth is very valuable because you already got the work when you're about to walk in the door. Mm-hmm. One of our internal goals is to have our clients refer us to other clients. And I've told this to management teams, if you would refer me to your mother, then I've completed my one of our company goals, as in we've provided the trust relationship, we are doing the good job and good work for you, your company and adding value to your company. One of the things about security, if I can jump to security for a second. Well, before you do that, 
uh, as we're talking, if if someone is listening and they want to get a hold of you, how can they do that, Mike? Um, Mike Ruhlman, I am at M2R Technology Group, 513-239-8100. And you can email me at mike at m2rtech.com. Mike at m2rtech.com. So we're going to talk about security. Yeah. One of the things that is very important to most of our clients, whether they're federally federally regulated or not, because you have the different, I can start throwing buzzwords, but I'm not going to do that. There's different federal regulations that apply to different companies in different industries. Medical has one, financial has several, um, publicly owned companies have other regulations that are laid down upon them. And if, if you called, if ABC company called a plumber to come in and fix the toilets, okay, well, they're not going to have access to any company information. Whereas an IT person coming in has to see, be able to see everything on your network. They set up the network. They set up the security. They have to have the ability to see everything. No, we don't care what's there. And that, I think, is one of the big um, difference, differentiations in our company. We we make ourselves more trustworthy than your own employees, as in you wouldn't you know trust um, the the factory worker out on the floor with looking at the uh, spreadsheet for bonuses for next that quarter. No, that would be foolish. Right, but I as you know myself myself and my company, we represent the ability to come in and set that apart so that the end workers cannot seek private confidential information. But if we set up a network, we have to be able to see that information, and we have to be, by definition, more trustworthy than those companies' own employees. So how do you get uh, people to trust you? You just continue to do good work. I mean, you have... Well, for, for a new client, I mean, so most of your new clients are coming to you via referrals yes. at this stage of your business? Yes. Okay, that, that, that's, a, that's a great way to get them. Uh, you don't have any salespeople then. Well, unfortunately, I work as a salesperson, and that's one of the reasons I, w- I was here with Mike is because I've gone through the Sandler sales training, and I do have, and that has really enhanced a side of my brain, I'll call it, that I didn't or had not used, utilized in the past. And so it's modified my strategy of how to talk to companies to be able to not just you know sell them something. I don't want to just sell somebody something. If their network is running smooth and I come in and look around and it's running smooth, then that's what I'm going to tell them. It's all running smooth. You're in good shape. You know, mm-hmm. and you're not overpaying for this or that. Um, you're in good shape. You know, I'll see you next month, as an example. So that's you just continue. You're not. I'm not going to snow people either. That's the thing. Our company, we don't. We will tell you the truth. We'll tell you sometimes what you want to hear and what you don't want to hear. But we're not going to, you know, snow it just to pocket my line my pocketbook or put my kids through college. So do you sell a service agreement uh, or is it a month-to-month kind of a, a deal with, when they bring your company in, Mike? Um, it depends upon what the client wants. Sometimes we're working directly with IT directors, and they only need us for special projects. Other companies, uh, usually on the smaller side, which we have a lot of our old clients from you know, 1995, 1996 still around, mm-hmm. that we do some of their break-fix and help them guide their network. So we're kind of like an IT director, rent an IT director. But getting to the monthly fees, 
We don't. All, we have a couple clients on monthly fees, but a lot of them don't like them. We don't consider it necessary to monitor your network 27 hours a day. No, I thought that was absolutely necessary. Well, someone told you it's not wrong. It's not. Someone told you something that was incorrect. Well, I'm kidding you. Everyone knows Bill Gates' networks never go down. Oh, let's not take pot shots at Microsoft. Oh, okay. <laughs> How about Duke? <laughs> they cut. We lost power in the building last this week, and uh, we were our network was essentially down for about uh, two days. Wow. So we could figure out what was wrong with it. Well, we did work out on the one of the casino boats uh, before they opened. They had a, a personnel issue in their IT department, and we helped them open one of the Grand. I'll say the Grand Victoria Casino. That's okay. We can say that. Um, back, oh, that was in 1995, 1996. It was so long ago, I cannot remember. But they are on a generator, so they can run about 72 hours. Generator and backup batteries. So they can run for 72 hours. That's good. Stop. Yeah. You're just not set up correctly. Yeah, we have uh, 30 minutes. And uh, what, what we discovered was a prior power failure two weeks earlier caused... Uh, one of our routers to be plugged in in the wrong place. And that was the cause of most of our problems. But enough of that. Uh, what do you see in the marketplace as uh, opportunities and possibilities? Have you seen business moving up? People adding to their networks or wanting more security? Yeah, and that's one of the things that the Fed regulations are coming down upon companies. They have to fill these things. Uh, or have to su- supply the documentation as well as, you know, prove to the auditors that they're doing what they're supposed to do. We've walked into a company before where they had just had all their credit card numbers sent off to Tibet. That was a long time ago, and I will not tell you who it is based upon confidentiality. Sure. Whenever we get in with a client, we we generate the uh, confidentiality documentation so that we will not share they're obviously internal problems or anything. Well, I guess everyone in Tibet needs uh, all the American credit cards. How does something like that happen, Mike? Uh, A lot of times it's uh, the IT group's fault because they did it wrong the first time. Implemented security in in an inappropriate or incorrect fashion? That's correct. Give me an example of what that that might look like Um, versus the correct way to do things. Well, the, I'm not going to tell you who the client is, obviously. Don't use the name. No, definitely not. But the correct way to secure credit card data in your computers is? Using high current firewalls with current software, as well as being able to monitor where your internal clients go. Because most security breaches, Mike, are from the inside, not from the outside. Mm-hmm. Someone walks in the door with a flash drive, that their son had taken to college, and they pull it, pick it up from home, and they want to take an Excel spreadsheet home to work on. So they bring in this flash drive, pop it in their computer, and unless they've gone the extra mile to turn off all flash drive access at the server level, I'm getting into an Active Directory discussion, which I know is a buzzword to throw out there. Unless you can turn it off, which you can with group policy, those will or won't work. And then so they then take this Excel spreadsheet home. It gets infected on their home computer because the IT people at work aren't responsible for the employees' home computers. 
and sure. then walk back in the door with a flash drive that's infected, put it in the machine, and it infects the network. It bypassed security. It bypassed the firewall. It bypassed all of these things. Because it was plugged in. So should good, a good network administration policy is to disallow plug-in flash drives? Well, you either do it different. There's different ways to do it. You also have to monitor and watch where the cell phones are going. Whose cell phones are they? Are they iPad? Or I'm sorry, yeah, iPads, iPods, Androids? Are they accessing the local wireless in the building? They can get infected with viruses too nowadays, and then they will infect the internal network, and they bypass security, as in the firewalls that are set up, which aren't Microsoft firewalls in most cases. So you're saying that a a there are viruses on cell phones. Yeah. Whether they're Sprint or Verizon. But there are viruses on cell phones that can jump to a computer network in a building? Yeah. How does that happen? Because they're, you know, cell phones. They're not they're not on the network. Well they're not physically connected. Ninety nine percent I'll say of the of the phones out there mm-hmm. have a Wi Fi kind of connection. And if you have Wi-Fi turned on, even if you have the encryption turned on inside a building, okay. usually an end user, say the salesman goes out of the office with his laptop and then comes back in, he doesn't plug in, he uses the Wi-Fi. Well, he's already been given the encryption code. So then he takes his home phone, his home cell phone, plugs in the encryption code because he already knows it because he had it, needs it for his laptop into his phone. And so now you have a device that isn't the company's, isn't the company's responsibility, and it's on the internal network because the salesman knew the encryption code and plugged it into his personal phone. How do you stop with stuff like that? You have to put more controls on the network. But some companies you know, don't have the ability to pay for that level of service. That's down to the uh, device uh, ID or the MAC address. Exactly, which is a buzzword. Stop with the buzzwords. <laughs> the hardware address of the network phone. Yes. Right. And uh, we used to have a router here that only allowed us to authorize 15 of those addresses at a time. And that was okay. When there was only one or two people here. Right. Well, every, th- things change in every network. Yeah. I mean, that's how that's how things change. The, the networks evolve. Mm-hmm. Getting back to the accounting uh, comparison, debits and credits haven't evolved, but creative accounting is out there, and that's okay. But that has nothing to do with how many viruses are trying to get information out of companies. And there's a lot of industrial espionage, too. Some of our clients are, are paranoid about industrial espionage. They want to know if a spreadsheet or any data client data left the building within the last six months of when they when that salesman left two weeks ago. And forensically, you can actually, you know, on TV, you see it all the time on CSI or one of those other detective shows that some uh, fancy computer tech can figure out where the data moved. Uh, the big glass screens and hand mo- motions but I, I think that's all fiction. How can you go back six months and figure out where certain, the data moves? A certain portion of it is fiction, yes. A highly skilled forensics uh, computer company 
can piece together what was on a hard drive at a certain point and be able to track what was emailed out or dumped on a flash drive. Okay, so the, the computers but, actually keep records of what was copied to a flash drive? Not exactly. You have to piece it together with different pieces of information. Different pieces of information. Mike, we're going to take a, uh, a short break. And again, if you want to call in and ask Mike a question, you can do that on 646 595 4916. And uh, let's hear a Santa Rule. Hi, I'm George Donovan with Sandler Training. I'm here to talk to you about rule number 19, never help the prospect end the interview. We've all been on sales calls where it's been uncomfortable and the prospect's acting uninterested or maybe even a little bit hostile. Your inclination is to close your portfolio, get up and walk out, but don't. This rule calls for you to hang in there. Ask the question that gets the issue on the table. Chances are it's not you. Maybe it's your company's past performance that's the problem, or perhaps another company that sells similar products or services. Or maybe it's another salesperson that has nothing to do with you or your company, but you'll never know unless you ask. So it sounds something like this. Let's suppose your prospect's name was Bill. You'd say, Bill, you seem a little bit skeptical. Is there something that I've said or done that's made you feel this way? And if it is, could we talk about it? Or maybe you say, Bill, I sense that there's a problem. Would it be okay if we talked about that for a minute? So the important part is that you ask. It takes the pressure off of you, and it helps the prospect work through the issue so you can get by it and get back to the interview. So the next time you're in an uncomfortable sales call, don't bail. Hang in there and remember rule number 19. Never help the prospect end the interview. This is Mike Roth. I'm back here with Mike Roman. Mike, we were talking about uh, security of data, and it, certainly there are a lot of people who take uh, credit cards in, and certainly having them uh, lifted and moved off prem would be a, a terrible uh, disaster. Uh, we're not going to talk about that, but, but let's let's talk about proactively. What can a company do to secure their data? Well, one of the main things is to keep all of your servers and workstations patched. Um, every Tuesday, uh, was it Tuesday night or Thursday night? Actually, can't Tuesday remember. night. It's Tuesday night. Yeah, you know what it is. That uh, Microsoft releases a certain amount of patches for the operating systems that they support, and machines should be set to download them all. So that brings up a question. Uh, I understand XP is living on its second. Uh, Second Life or Third Life, um, how long is XP going to be supported with uh, software updates? I haven't read that information lately because it keeps changing, so I'm usually not worried about it. But we've been actually putting out Windows 7 for a long time now. Mm -hmm. And so we're slowly you know, eliminating all the Vistas out there, but 
we, you know, the XPs are going to live for a little while longer because not everybody's going to replace everything. I mean, the economy is really tough out there, so not everybody's replacing everything. So will, will there be a, a direct bridge from uh, Windows XP to Windows 8? I don't know. I'll have to write, ask Bill Gates. Okay. Or Steve Ballmer. You know, give him a call. So, Or Steve Ballmer's listening. Will you call in and let us know? Yeah. Well, I, I the, the Microsoft website is just so vast. I mean, I'm for, I'll be the first to admit I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's more, it's much better, rather, to know where to find the information. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of information out there, terribly confusing. Uh, Mike, let's, uh, let me ask you this tough question. We have a, a thesis here that simple solutions to complex problems are almost universally always wrong. And so if you want to solve a complex problem, you have to come up with a complex solution. Uh, why don't you tell us about a complex problem that you guys uh, at M2R ran into and the complex solution that you apply that might be applicable for people in different industries? For an example of uh, the kind of thinking and thought that and process that happens over at M2R. Well, a lot of the complex problems are they don't clients don't want any downtime. That's one of the huge issues is they can't have downtime to, say, upgrade an exchange server from 2003 to 2007 or 2010 exchange. And there are ways to do projects without having any downtime. And that has to do with putting in redundant or loaner equipment, I'll call it, because we've used loaner equipment. Yes, I've, I've gone home and yanked a firewall out of my house to save a client that was in pain. When their mm-hmm. IT director was in Chicago, and I was 20 minutes away up on the you know suburbs of Cincinnati, so I drove downtown and solved it by yanking a firewall out of my house that happened to be the same one the client hacked. <clears throat> Excuse me. So then we were able to dump his his configuration file on my firewall and get the client up and running while he was coming up on Purdue University. So I mean that's one of the the quick fixes, but the complex issue of no downtime. We had a client that um, could not believe that we actually upgraded and changed over his whole infrastructure and he had no no downtime. The thing was, the complex solution was when they got new bandwidth for when they were going to change their network around, we had the overlapping of a month. We did that on purpose so that, yes, they'd be paying an extra month for both bandwidth, but then we could move over a piece at a time every other day from one from one infrastructure portion to the other, and do the testing. So we do the you know we would do the well we had a long term plan. That was actually one of Steve's projects. Steve's the other owner of M2R Technology Group. Steve Guest. It was one of his projects, and afterward the client could not believe that we had he had zero downtime for his medical facility with eleven sites. Could not believe it. Well, that's a great great undertaking. Anytime we do an upgrade here, we always have downtime, <laughs> both planned and unplanned. Well, the unplanned ones are the fun ones too. Uh, I, I haven't done any overnighters in a long time, but mm-hmm. uh, I've been I've gotten home at midnight a few times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think people are looking for now in terms of an IT company or IT solution? Because it, it seems to me that the world seems to be getting more complex and more difficult. Well, that's not necessarily IT's fault of being more difficult or complex, but the 
<clears throat> Excuse me. Well, in 1980, the simple solution was you got a, a CPM machine with a five and a quarter inch floppy drive and 64k of RAM, and you were king of the hill. Well, speaking of a, of a five and a quarter inch floppy drive, I've got two in my basement for if I need to plug in some data. And I had two about four years ago. Somebody gave me a floppy, and I had to get data off of it. And I just went downstairs, pulled an old machine, put the floppy five and a quarter inch in, got the data off. So. Anyway, we had the same situation here uh, about six months ago. Really? You know, I, I found some old uh, sandler material uh, that was either from 1988 or 1992 on five and a quarter inch floppies and didn't have it on paper or any other place. And our IT guy uh, who works with you, uh, Brad Green, yeah. was able to uh, put a, a drive on a machine. So we could read the, the floppy disk and get See, the, he, capture all the data. Yeah, he and I had the same thought. I need to keep one or two of these around because someone's going to need one five years from now, which was five years ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, getting back to your question, one, the, the, the KISS principle still applies. Keep it simple, stupid. Mm -hmm. um, don't You don't want to add devices to a network just to add devices to a network. What you want to do is have the right strategy. Um, don't let, and, and this is something we've run across time and time again, there's multiple bandwidth providers in every city. Uh, here in Cincinnati, we have Cincinnati Bell, we've got Time Warner, we've got Time Warner Telecom, we've got you know a different number of bandwidth providers. Most of the time, they want what they want, and it doesn't quite match what you want in your company. And you have to keep them, you know, keep on their toes to not let them push their product, which may or may not be more than you need. And that's a difficult, difficult uh, thing to do. We negotiate with them all the time for our clients because if you have phones, uh, you know, say 20 cell phones in a company, and you've got five sites, um, you need, and you've got uh, a voice over IP phone system, which we haven't really talked about today, but that's not our main focus of our company. You have a lot of negotiating power with the bandwidth providers. I want I want 20 phones. I want uh, internet for these five sites, and I need a T1 for all my 23 phone lines. What are you going to do for me in one bundle versus having the phones with Sprint, the bandwidth with Time Warner, yeah, and just all over the place. You're not getting the bundle savings. Sure. What a, what does a uh, a scenario like that uh, cost? That depends or, or, upon the or all these guys well. like Time Warner or even Cincinnati Belt become flexible on their pricing. Uh, the way to get the lower pricing is always mention to them that you're talking to the other. That's one of the best things to do because if you just if you've had Cincinnati Bell forever, which a lot of companies have, and that's fine. If when you're getting when your when your um, contracts are up or they're you know going to be up in about three or four months, that's when you start the process saying this is what we have, this is what we want to do, and you go to each of the bandwidth providers. But when you talk to them, you make sure you they know that you're talking to the other. So here in this marketplace, there are really only. Two or three bandwidth providers: Cincinnati Bell, Time Warner. Anybody else? 
Well, Time Warner Telecom as well. There's two different companies. Okay, Time Warner Telecom. Um, and on the other south side of the river, there's uh, the cable company there. What's right. That? I can't think of their name off the top of my head. I mean, we have some northern Kentucky clients. I just can't think of what their bandwidth is down there. But is there but, any anyone else here in the north well, you, side of the river? You also have uh, the high-level companies that are across the country, Sprint. Like several clients have an entirely Sprint network. Sprint will bring um, T1s into uh, yeah. a client premises? Right. If I get too technical, they're really not Sprint lines. They're being rented by the local, what's called the last last mile. So they're actually, say here at Cincinnati, it would be a Cincinnati Bell T1 line, but they have to sell it at wholesale to Sprint to put the last mile in. Okay. It, it gets a lot more complicated than that. I don't want to get terribly complicated here. <laughs> I don't want you to fall out of your chair. Right, I'm, I'm already wearing my seatbelt. <laughs> but in 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 your business, you uh, work with clients that have voice over IP telephones. Do you sell them as well? Uh, we don't actually sell those as well. Okay. Um, well, we get the infrastructure ready to handle voice over IP phones in that case. Uh, a lot of our clients are moving to it because there is cost savings in the right situation. To us, voice over IP isn't everything. It's not. You don't have to go to voice over IP, but it's the new buzzword. 20 years ago, you bought compact computers because you can't get fired for buying a compact computer. Right. Right? You couldn't get fired. It was the name brand. That's what the CEOs knew was the first ones, and that's what they wanted. So that's Everyone what they bought. Wanted. Right. Exactly. Now the buzzword is voice over IP, but you, you're not going to get fired for doing it. You just have to be able to see the cost savings on the back end. Sure. Is it good, the best for your business? Well, I, I don't know your business yet to know whether it's a good decision or bad decision. Good. Mike, we're going to take a uh, another short break. And again, if anyone wants to call in, we have a, f- a few moments and a couple of open lines on 646-595-4916. This is Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler Trainer. Many salespeople tell us business was really easy. They likened it to gathering fruit in an orchard full of ripe trees. They gathered the low-hanging fruit. They had to get baskets to pick up the fruit that was already fallen. They never had to climb a tree. They worked this way for 10 or 15 years. Given the strong economy, this was no problem. What are we hearing now? The economy has slowed down. Salespeople are competing on price. There's still business now, but salespeople have to work harder. The fruit has not fallen from the tree, and there's no low-hanging fruit. The fruit is there, but it's higher up in the tree. The problem is their salespeople have forgotten how to climb. Do your salespeople know how to climb? If you or your team needs to learn how to climb through and up out of tough economic times, call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523, or check our website at rothconsulting.net. Imagine you just left your prospect's office and he now has your proposal, quote, or estimate. What do you suppose he's going to do with that valuable information that you just gave him for free? Call you tomorrow with an order? Get real! He's shopping it around to the competition. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Roth & Associates. I'm the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. I'm constantly amazed how salespeople operate. They believe a prospect asking for a proposal means the sale is as good as closed. Face it, trained prospects will turn you into an unpaid consultant. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, training, and challenging professionals who are 100% committed to long-term sales growth and profitability, no matter what it takes. 
If you're deadly serious about increasing sales, call me at 513-646-6523. Find out how Sandler Training can make you better, faster, and stronger. Or register now for our next open house, 513-646-6523. This is Mike Roth, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. This is Mike Roth with uh, Mike Rollman. Let me take a, a question for you, Mike, that's a little bit uh, further to the left. Uh, what is your company, a technology company, doing on the Internet to increase business? Well, we have a business. Our webs, <clears throat> excuse me, we have a website like everybody does. Uh, yes, it needs updating. Um, we're doing other um, other pieces of marketing that I've learned, either through the sales process with you or from some of our other contacts. Um, one of the pieces that uh, I I do all the time is I have a weekly meeting with a group called Lincoln Addy for referral passing group. Lincoln Addy. Lincoln Addy. That's an interesting name. Is that kind of like a online? No, group it's or not online. You guys meet face to face. Yes. Oh, how many people are in your group? Twenty, twenty, twenty-two. I think that's a good number. Yeah. And are the other CEOs like yourself? Yes. Primarily, primarily, or exclusively in the IT business, or is this in multiple businesses? Multiple businesses. Okay. You know, realtor, etc. You know, accountant, lawyer, attorney. Okay. Different, different people in the group. Good. Are you looking for new members in that group? Yes, we are actually. And how could people find out where and when that group meets? Uh, well, we actually meet on Thursday mornings from eight or seven thirty a.m. to nine a.m. and we meet at Book Bums in Westchester. And you can go to www.linkinaddy.com. Good, good. I'm always happy to hear about new networking groups that's working successfully for you. Yes. How long have you been a part of that? I was a member of the old group a long time ago. And then they re re energized the group under their own name versus oh. it being with one of the other networking groups. One of the national networking groups? Yes. That's good. That's good. Uh as you know, I'm part of the downtown Rotary Club and we're gonna have Don Kennedy on Don Keller on uh I think August third. And he's gonna talk about some of the things that uh that Rotary means. But Rotary is a, a great group because you have to be a decision maker to get into the group. Right. I've been down to the lunch with you a couple times. Yeah. Sometime we've got to get you to join full time. Uh, in, uh, in the next 12 months, what do you think people should be doing in uh, in their IT world to, to kind of stay up to date and uh, make their uh, processes more secure? Well, actually, there's a lot of things that are all number one on the list. Number one, when your building burns down, where is all your data? It's not if your building burns down, it's when your building burns down. Well, most buildings aren't going to burn down. Unless, of course, you're in Colorado. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, you you have other issues, uh, floods, you know, all the, the natural disasters, but you also have the hard drive failures inside of a company, or you have electrical surges coming through the, uh, through the electrical system, or you have lightning striking the building, 
which is all true stories. Mm-hmm. You know, the lightning strikes the building, goes through the electrical system, blows out all the network cards and all the PCs, plus, um, you know, melts the router. You know, is the firewall still running? Is the computer, is the net server still up? Oh, I can't get my data. I can't do my work. One of the other uh, internal challenges we've had, and which is kind of an internal goal for us, is never allow an end user to blame the computer or network for them not getting their job done. Now, if you think that through, never give the end users an excuse to not get their work done. Because it's very easy to blame the consultant. It's very easy. Mm -hmm. So if you're already prepared and you do things in a certain manner, you don't get blamed because you've been adding value the whole time and that people can't blame you because you've done it right the first time. And that includes UPSs in the appropriate places, um, either ba- you know, possible generator backup power for the extended period that there might be an outage. We have a couple clients in Kenwood, um, and the Kenwood power grid is horrible. We have a UPS on every machine. Power's going up and down and up and down. Computers still go. Network still goes. No problem. I didn't realize Kenwood was a problem area. Yeah, there's, there's several power grids that are bad. Um, there's another one over by... Um, Oh, where is that? Over by Procter and Gamble, Loveland, not Loveland, Blockland, somewhere between P and G, and I can't remember the company. It's been a while since I've been there, but they had the same issue. But it was like at four o'clock every day when Procter and Gamble would turn on something. I'm not bashing Procter and Gamble; they do a great job, but they turn on something and it drained enough of the power grid where the UPSs they had to replace at this company every six months because it was killing the circuitry on the inside of them. Hmm. Yeah, we had problems over on Red Bank Road where we were a couple of years ago, probably 10, 12 years ago. Uh, I had the feeling that any time a car came near a power pole, <laughs> didn't actually have to hit it, we would lose power or there would be a uh, a surge or a spike or a low voltage. Yeah, and a long time ago story of a... Uh, semi-truck rolling off the highway and going through telephone poles on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. Well, that killed one... This is like 12, 14 years ago story, but that killed their bandwidth and their wide area, the wide area network. So they could not communicate with their other offices because a truck, 12 miles away, rolled off the highway. 12 miles away. <laughs> yeah, rolled off the highway, and their bandwidth happened to be going through that pole. Now, a lot of that's all changed because everything's underground now, or most everything, and the fibers run underground in most cases. But that's one of those old stories where it's down, you call the provider, and... It's going to be days before it comes back. Oh, it was. It was like two weeks. Wow. it's a long time. So, in making uh, more network robust reliability... Besides putting in uninterruptible power supplies, what are you suggesting to your clients? Putting in multiple Internet access. Say you get um, the main one is from Time Warner and the backup one is from, uh, say, Zoomtown. And you program the firewalls to do auto failover. And obviously everything in the building, the firewalls, are going to be running during a power outage. Okay, so these are expensive firewalls. What does a firewall like that cost that has uh, backup rollover? Uh, high availability, a couple thousand dollars. Oh, it's not that bad. No, it's not that bad. And the newer, even the small, what's called the Soho abilities, and I'm just... Whoa, that's a buzzword. Yeah, sorry. 
the um, they have multiple ports, so you can program them that way as well. You just have to buy the upgraded software for them. And the, the, for the small offices, um, you're talking like five, six hundred dollars. That's not too bad. No, it's not too bad. But you have to companies have to de- decide, and well, they have to decide how much is all of their people still running going to cost. If they're uh, into the intangible of I've got 12 people that can't do anything for an hour because the internet's down, versus I've got 300 people with the internet's down, what's that intangible cost if they're down for an hour and they have 300 employees? Well, that's pretty much red hot. You got 300 employees. Exactly. So the appropriate solution even based ten, upon yeah, even at 10 employees, it becomes a really a red hot issue. Right. Exactly. So that's part of the design of the network, as in how long can you run without Internet access, or is there a backup wireless Internet access, or is there a backup Internet at all type of scenario, which you'll be paying for you know, every month to put with whatever bandwidth provider is providing it. But then you're not down, you're not down as much. You can minimize your downtime. So is moving all of your data to the cloud the uh, – a quintessential issue of reliability? Uh, no, it has to do with they figured out how to put everything on the web. Some companies don't want to build their own server room with a raised floor, don't want to have a backup generator outside. And so they figured out, in some cases, how to put the data off-site, but then you have, a very, you have to be very reliable on your Internet with multiple connections to the Internet. Offsite backups is part of like some of the federal regulations. Like, is it is it less expensive to go to the cloud than doing the applications and servers in house? Less expensive out of pocket, probably not. But it is more. It it really depends upon the company. It's it's not a steadfast rule this or that or A or B because you have to then have the expertise in house to maintain what's running. You know, either load the patches, watch the network design, make sure that things are running appropriately, make sure there's no viruses. There's labor. And uh, right, so labor, you have an employee cost or an FTE, full time equivalent, that you have to hire to do that. So then you have to factor that cost. It really depends on what the company's doing and how many applications they're going to move off site. So I really can't answer that question. It depends upon the client and what they're attempting to accomplish. In other words, you have to do a complete analysis to figure out which one is going to be more expensive or less expensive. Right. But I don't want to go on up on the space shuttle, which was both by the least expensive vendor either. Mm-hmm. But that's my personal opinion. Don't buy the cheapest. Don't buy the most expensive. Buy something in the middle. And that applies to the IT industry for sure. Really? Lots of times I believe buying the most expensive is the fastest uh, path to quality. In the IT world, No. No. How does one evaluate uh, IT service providers like yours? Oh, how do you evaluate? Because there must be a hundred companies like yours, Mike. Well, no, there's only one company like mine. But oh, I understand I'm, the question. I, I understand yes. the question. <laughs> in, in, in just a couple of minutes, what are the the, the key criteria that um, a CEO should use to determine which outside vendor they're going to go with? Well, they want to make sure the company's been around a while and going to be around for a while. They want to make sure that they're technically 
you know, technically savvy enough to know what's going on and why in the industry and then how that would apply to their company. They need to be able to communicate to the client or to, you know, you the CEO what, you know, what is going on and why and you need to have a trust essentially a trust relationship. You need to build the trust relationship with the client. Okay. Now, you don't necessarily want to buy everything from one vendor and then ask your vendor to put it all in. That usually pisses off some IT people. We've done it before. It's okay. It's okay. It doesn't sound like a fun way to go. No, it's not. Occasionally you get in the wrong area, and that's what happens. Okay. Uh, Mike, you know, we're going to just about wrap up here. Uh, Again, people can contact you by calling you on. 513-239-8100 or mike at m2rt8.com. Mike, I'm going to be giving you a copy of uh, the newest Sandler book, The Sandler Success Principles. This is 11 Insights that will uh, change the way you think and sell. This is a brand-new book. came out March, April 24th, went immediately to the number one bestseller on Amazon.com and the Wall Street Journal. Got some great ideas on it. Thank you very much, Mike. I think you met Dave uh, Matson when he was here in Cincinnati. He was one of the authors, and David, uh, I'm sorry, Bruce Seidman, David's stepson, is the other author. author. They are CEO and president of uh, Sandler Training. I'm sure you'll get uh, a good read out of it. Oh, good. Yes, I always like reading more stuff about that. Great. Scott, why don't you uh, take it away? Thanks again, Mike, for appearing with us at the last minute. Thank you, Mike, very much. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at MikeRoth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.